Welcome to She Who Overcomes, the podcast where we equip women of all walks of life to be extraordinary leaders. I'm Mandy B. Anderson. And I'm Rachel Perman, and we are your hosts. We are the co-founders of Rayma Team, a life and leadership coaching company for women. Each week, we're going to have conversations about what we're overcoming, what we are learning, and what our guests are learning so that you can find the clarity and direction that you need to rise up, lead well, and live with intention. What you've overcome makes you a leader, no matter what your title is. So grab your coffee and let's talk about it. Hey, Overcomers, welcome back to the podcast. We are so happy you are here and that you are spending time with us and listening to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about something I'm not sure we've talked a lot about, and that is the weed of a poverty mindset. And what we're going to be doing, we're going to actually, in a minute here, Bandy's going to be reading to you from her best-selling book, Dangerous Hope. You can get it on Amazon right now. If you um, haven't gotten a copy, you need to get it. And she's going to be talking about two things. It's controlling the weeds of false hope and the weed of a poverty mindset. And I really want you guys to, if you can, take notes um, if you're in an environment that you can do that, if not, make sure that you listen to this again, because it's really important information for you to dive deep into um, and really take some time to listen and marinate on. So I think before I read these few pages, I should give them a quick synopsis of the cycle of dangerous hope. Probably, especially if they've never read the book right. or you know heard. <clears throat> Clearly, they probably haven't heard the title. Probably talk. not. <laughs> so um, not yet, maybe in a few more weeks. Um, so the cycle of dangerous hope is on page 42 of my book. And the whole book is called Dangerous Hope, Planting Something Meaningful in the Soil of Disappointment. And it has this whole planting metaphor throughout it, which we've talked about here and there, I think, oh, yeah. in the past. Um, definitely in Beautiful Wholeness events, we've talked about it. But the cycle of dangerous hope looks like this. First, you plant the seeds of dangerous hope, which means you take action. You take action on a dream. You take action on fixing a, a habit that you want to make better. You just take some sort of action. And as growing goes, <laughs> eventually you find yourself with a bunch of weeds because that just happens. Yep. And so controlling the weeds of false hope is where you really have to start being honest about what's not working, about um, where you know, where maybe there wasn't a good root system. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was something that was in the field before that you didn't realize and you didn't get rid of. So now you have to get rid of that thought or that mindset or that action. And then you have to work the mulch of hope deferred into the ground. And we'll talk a little bit more about that um, in an upcoming episode again. But today we're going to talk about controlling the weeds of false hope and the weed of a poverty mindset. So um, if you are like, oh my gosh, where was this in the book? I need to get the book. Yeah, you know, you can get the ebook or the hardcover or the paperback all on Amazon. But I'm starting on page 144 of the hard copy or the um, paperback, and I'm going all the way to the beginning of page 147. So here goes controlling the weeds of false hope. There's a teaching in some coaching circles that says if you see a weed popping up in your life, it's growing because you planted it. Yet, based on the planting pr principles that my dad taught me, this line of thinking isn't exactly true, is it? Sometimes, weeds just show up in your fields. 
They might blow in from another field or they might just be in the soil and you weren't aware. It's pointless to beat yourself up for the weeds because they are just part of life. You'd think, since I had gone through a season of false hope in my personal life with my health, that I would have easily recognized the signs of it again much sooner in our business. But remember, the weed of false hope is a perennial weed that grows from the long-established roots of wishful thinking. Just because you pluck them out of one field of hope, like in my personal life, that doesn't mean that you automatically plucked them out of the other field too. Plucking the weeds of one field will never automatically cause the weeds in a different field to just disappear. You still have to do the work of weeding in all fields. The weed of false hope was overtaking our field and it was hiding among other weeds. Here's a few of the biggest ones that hindered our success. Side note, I'm talking about our success at Rayma Team. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I think she's talking about our business. Because you guys haven't, haven't figured I that out yet. This is not her personal life. This yes. is our business. Technically, I was thinking about it from before we were Rayma Team, when we were still Big Blue Couch okay. Coaching. <laughs> so moving on. <laughs> the weed of a poverty mindset. This can also be called a lack mindset. It's when you believe that there will never be enough or that money will run out. It also happens when you think that money will just flow in and you don't have to be in charge of stewarding it well. When the weed of a poverty mindset is present in business, you will neglect paying attention to your finances. You might be paying bills on time and staying out of a negative balance, but you'll never get to the point of having a bank account that grows beyond the expenses because you won't be aware of what is actually happening in your business. This was how we operated for the first six years of our partnership. Our company was growing and we had reached a small level of worldwide impact. One year, we shipped books to clients over two different oceans. However, we were not as profitable as it sounds. In fact, we hadn't even cracked six figures yet. In 2018, we reached a financial milestone of bringing in the most revenue we had ever brought in, around $61,000. Now, that's not a bad income for a solo entrepreneur with no overhead and no team, but we were a partnership. Our team was comprised of Rachel and myself and our two contracted workers. As owners of the company and the main coaches doing all the work, we had $0 to show for our hard work in our personal finances. We were burnt out from working for free and putting everything back into our company. The weed of a poverty mindset also had me tricked into thinking I could not handle a part-time job while building our business because I had cystic fibrosis. I believed I had a lack of energy and therefore refused to even consider it. This led to my personal finances not growing. Nate and I didn't necessarily take steps backwards in our finances but we definitely weren't getting ahead. I had to pluck out that weed in 2020 and get a part-time job in order to reach our personal goals of owning a home again. Honestly, it has been the best thing for me, both financially and mentally. When you pay attention to the weed of a poverty mindset, you start to see solutions to get rid of it. Paying attention to the finances both in our business and in my home helped get us into a position to kill this weed. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I love that you talk about it because I think we don't talk about it enough. I love that you write, give numbers 
I was scared to write the numbers. Like right, I yep. had counseling sessions over this and for a lot of reasons, mostly pride. Mm-hmm. Right? Like yep. letting people into the bubble of reality of what it was like for us. But I think that's important to know. I agree. And I think because it looked so cool on the outside, mm-hmm. we really learned a lesson between what looks like you're in you know, like you're making money and what profit actually looks like. And those are two completely different things. And I Mm -hmm. think the more you dig into it, the more you learn from other business owners and leaders that are willing to talk like this, it is a much more common story Mm -hmm. than than we realize. So yeah, I'm glad you wrote it, even though it took a lot of personal growth on your part to get there. It did. And I think it was because I didn't want people to... Well, I I cared too much about what people thought. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously I got over it because I put it in the book. <laughs> but I think talking about it is important because, you know, when we started doing research for what mm-hmm. life coaches actually make as a salary, what what did you find out? Well, I found out a couple of different things because we started it as like, what do business owners actually mm-hmm. make? Like, what is a common profit for a business to bring in? And it is only like the top 6% of business owners. And we mean every kind of business owner from small business to large in um, the United States, I think was where you know okay. this, this was done. Um, it's only 6% that actually crack that like 250 and above mark. So $250,000 a year and above. Everybody else is underneath that. And like, I think it was somewhere around 70% is under 100K. Mm-hmm. And that is the most common place for you to be, which was right Right. where we were. Like Mm -hmm. we were exactly where we were supposed to be. And most coaches, I think it was right around 40, um, $40,000 a year would been their like profit or, you know, and usually for profit for business owners, that's where your income come from. Yep. Comes from, especially if you're a solopreneur Mm -hmm. or, you know, you're working on your own. And so, you know, when you mentioned that in there, like for somebody who's just working, as themselves as a coach, that's an amazing mm-hmm. feat. And it was an amazing feat as a company too. But we also had four people right. that were supposedly all supposed to get salary and, every- and not everybody did. No, everybody was getting paid for their time except for us. Right. And I think, you know, as business owners, you you know that you're gonna have to sacrifice. Oh yeah, there's some definitely stuff. seasons where that yep. that happens. And and knowing that is one thing, but we definitely had bad habits Mm -hmm. because of that poverty mindset. And it also like the thing about a poverty mindset is it's also going to make you downplay what you do accomplish. Oh, for sure. Like you can't receive it because it's not bigger yet. Yep. But that's not how things grow in life. Mm -hmm. Like the you have to actually start being thankful for the small things. Yep. And manage those well before you can handle the big things. Mm-hmm. I also think we had to definitely like lean into that lesson of not freaking out when we thought like the oil was going to run dry. Right. Yeah. Um, because that was definitely something where there and and that has been as we've looked over the last however many years that we've been in business, mm-hmm. both as the first company and as this company, we have a very predictable season where the income is much or the the profit or not the profit the um, sales Revenue, coming yeah. in are historically less than Mm -hmm. the rest of the year. It is literally the same time every single year. And it's kind of like we forgot that. Mm -hmm. And I think once we learn that lesson, that there are going to be lean months, which is so common for every business owner, uh, no matter which industry you're in. And it's what you do during those lean months and learning how to not 
freak out mm-hmm. um, when people leave or, you know, and especially as coaches, like they're not supposed to stay forever. Right. Like the point is for them to be able to like go through your program and launch onto something else. But when you're in a poverty mindset, every person that leaves is a personal failure. Right. Every like dollar that comes in or doesn't come in is a personal failure. Mm-hmm. And and taking that on as a personal thing is part of the reason why we ended up rebranding because our identity was so wrapped into it was. the whether or not we were making money or what it looked like mm-hmm. to look like we were making money because we weren't mm-hmm. <laughs> making money. So yeah, and not I, the way that we we should have been. No, and and a poverty mindset will keep you from having conversations where you can grow and and like grow a different mindset mm-hmm. because it doesn't want to look stupid. Right. It doesn't want to look bad. Um so part of how we got out of that is we started seeking out some wisdom from mm-hmm. some experts um female experts that can help us with money. Yep. Um that could help us with a business. And and really getting their advice. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes that was a conversation that we had. Sometimes it was, you know, paying people for their expertise. But it was definitely being real about this is where we're at. Looking at the numbers. Yep. Looking at where we want to be. What, what it's going to actually take to be there. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, part of this whole idea of the weed of a poverty mindset, um, we recently changed some of our pricing structure for our our corporate programs and for um, even our own leadership programs. And a poverty mindset won't do that because they'll lower their prices, but they definitely won't raise them because Mm -hmm. they're scared that people won't pay for it. And if you're noticing that you're like that, you're listening to this and you're noticing, oh my gosh, I can't charge that, but I want to. Right. Other people are. Right. But I And it's definitely like when you have earned that dollar right, amount. Yes. We're not talking about like, oh, you're coming out of the gate and right. you should charge this month. No, much. like you no, have like you have earned it. You have the experience yep. and the training to be worth it. Um if you're noticing that about yourself, then that's a that's a sign that this weed is there. Mm-hmm. Like you need to work with somebody about it, confront it because yep. I don't know that everybody is necessarily meant to make six figures and seven figures and be be super wealthy. Clearly not even just based on the actual right. numbers. Yes. But I think I I think that people can definitely grow in their ability to manage and steward their money. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've I've heard stories of people that become millionaires who are teachers mm-hmm. and they have a teacher's salary. Yep. But they have learned different things to be able to get there. And right. so um, you know, being a millionaire towards the end of your life because of your your savings and your retirement account versus, you know, figuring out and being the next thing who just overnight, yeah. you know, becomes this millionaire. I, it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't. And if it does, it's super rare. And, you know, there's that whole like yes. behind the scenes that you don't see. And I think mm-hmm. one of the things as as leaders that it does require this vulnerability to look like I don't know what I'm doing because it's true. We usually right. don't. That's how we get into money issues is we don't. Sometimes it's really practical. We don't know mm-hmm. what we're doing. Sometimes it is the weed. Sometimes they're all mixed in together. One of the most simple things that we did, too, is we really cut back expenses to the we point did. that it was like there was nothing we were paying for that we didn't absolutely need. Mm-hmm. And I think as we've gotten smarter, um, we really make sure that what we are spending mm-hmm. makes sense. Yes. And even if it is an investment and it's a little bit more and it stretches the budget, 
um, we have much better conversations than in the old days where I was just like, eh, it's just going to come. The money's going to come in and kind yes. of this like false hope right yeah. type thing yeah. where we're like, well, you know, God will provide. Yes, God absolutely did provide. But also we had to learn some hard lessons yes. like losing our first company. Right. Um, Even though God did provide sales and revenue to us. Mm-hmm. And and when you say lose it, we didn't we didn't go under like we did not thank we, God no, but we chose to shift directions yep. and we but it re- was close it like was close. people probably would never realize how close it, it actually was, so was close. to be like financially um, not not great <laughs> it was it was so close um, but I think too within that it was the willingness to admit that the only reason we got into that situation and into those problems was us. Mm-hmm. Yep. It really wasn't anybody else around us. Nope. It was us. And I think as leaders, you have to be willing to eat some humble pie. Right. The buck stops with you. Yeah. Like, it really does. Mm-hmm. And that that whole idea of, you know, the, uh, the other thing, the whole idea of a poverty mindset is I think as women, we we need to face it a little bit more because I think um, it seems as though men don't struggle with that as much. Not as much. And I think I'm not sure if it's like, you know, a society thing. It's how we're raised. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I mean, it can be a lot of different reasons as to why, why it's like that. But I think also a lot of women are starting to understand the reason why it matters that, Mm -hmm. you know, what to do with your money, yes. that you know what to do to build wealth. And it's not relying on this old concept of the husband builds the wealth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're going to just be provided for or taking care of from right. that and like really taking ownership of mm-hmm. your own stewardship and your own income and, you know, what you're going to do for the next generations. Yes. Like that is something I don't think is, I, I, I see it changing. Like yes. there is definitely this next generation of women and including us right. that, are taking that much more seriously than mm-hmm. I think. I didn't ever hear my mom talking about. No, like I didn't this, either. Or see her. Yeah. Um, doing stuff like this. And I'm I'm sure we'll talk about this down the road too. But I I think I'll just leave us with this thought. So um, a cup like I think it was actually the day of TEDx. We were drive. My husband and I were driving back home, and I had some people that were reaching out to me for possible speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. And um. To be honest, I was not okay with where I had set my speaking prices. They were very old school five years ago pricing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like that's where my skill was anymore. Right. And so I was talking about like, how how do you do this at your company? Because, um, you know, sometimes people think, oh, you should just speak for free or, oh, you should just come do this and it'll be your ministry and blah, blah, blah. Newsflash for anybody that's listening, if somebody is a public speaker and that is part of their profession, that means the only way that they feed their family is through getting paid for that profession. Right. So I'm a little snarky about it because (laughs) there are certain sectors that think it can just be God's ministry. Yep. And you should just wake up every morning and wait for God to give you manna from heaven to feed your family and to pay your bills. And that's not always how God does it. 99% 99% of the time in this modern age. Right. Like working and getting a paycheck is important. And so... Yeah, I didn't wake up this morning and have bread out right? in my yard. Like just start paying me. people and stop expecting them to always do everything for free. That's my little soapbox. Mm. And here's what... Um, and yes, it's mostly churches and nonprofits that do that. 
It is. Um, but here's where it came from. So my husband works for an audio video company and the majority of their clients fall in the category of churches and nonprofit organizations. Which is crazy. I had never really thought of that until right? you told me this yes. story. So I had asked him, I said, how do you guys do that? Like, do you give a discount? When like, do people ask for a discount? He was telling me this story about a church that wanted something. And when they told him the price, they were like, oh my gosh, can't you give a discount? And he said, if we gave a discount to every church or nonprofit that asked for it, we would not be in business. And that was the most sobering. I mean, I kind of felt like my face hit the wall. Right. Because I was like, what? That was common for us. That was a common practice. That was a common practice for us in our when we were Big Blue Couch coaching. Mm-hmm. And you will not be able to grow if that's what you're always doing. Right. And so if you're somebody, if you're a leader in an organization at a church or a nonprofit, and you're like thinking that we have a bad taste in our mouth, that's that's not what it is. It's this... Um, I think it's this battle cry to stand up for our worth mm-hmm. and to um, no longer give in to this weed of a poverty mindset because right. that is a poverty mindset as well. Yep. Thinking that everybody should work for free. Right. Or thinking that people that do have a price that's outside of your speaking budget should lower their speaking budget to match yours. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it too. Yes. Is, is there are speakers that are just starting out. There are people that will do this um, and, and are looking for all kinds of experience, mm-hmm. but expecting somebody who's got decades of experience doing something to do it for this measly budget mm-hmm. compared to what their worth is. That's, I think, really yes. where like, oh, gosh, that rubs me the wrong way. And I don't know if it happens to men. It definitely happens From to a I've lot of women. From what I've heard, it happens to women way more often, especially in the speaking, yes. public, professional speaking Artists, world. photographers, mm-hmm. speakers, um, singers, writers, like anything artsy. Yep. For whatever reason. Creative. The poverty mindset will tell you, you need to do this as unto the Lord. Yep. And or you need to pay your pay your dues if you're right. thinking outside of like the faith realm. Yes. And yes, there is a point of, you know, charging for what you're worth based on your experience and your training. But if you've been doing that for a decade, it, it's probably time to to look at this weed of a poverty mindset right. and and get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means for you, figure out how to get rid of it. If you're somebody who is a part of an organiza- organization where you frequently ask people to do stuff for free and maybe you've had people upset about it or maybe you haven't. And you're just not getting the quality that you want. This could be why. It could be because you're expecting them to do things for free when they deserve to be paid. Mm-hmm. And a, the weed of a poverty mindset is always going to think, "Oh, I shouldn't have to pay that." Right? Like they should be willing to do this for free. And it, it's both sides. It's you want to get paid more, but you don't. Right. And you also think everybody else should be getting paid less. Like that is the weed of a poverty mindset. It's yep. this whole big, ugh, it's a thing. We could do so many we more probably episodes will. on this and we probably should. I feel should. like we should. Yes. I have a whole blog post that I'm working on. clearly we are passionate, passionate about it. I have a whole blog post that I'm working on about it, but I'm trying to figure out how do I say this without being so snarky because some days I get very fired up about it. And when I do, I have to realize, okay... If I've been treated this way, it's because I've allowed it. Right. And some of the snark is, is more at kind myself. Of a mirror, yeah. <laughs> right. Like for sure, snarkiness can be a mirror. Yeah. Um, as to what you're seeing in others is actually something that's really bothering you about you've either allowed mm-hmm. it to happen or, you know, whatever. So yeah. 
We know that. That's that's we why. definitely do. So we're just gonna leave this episode hanging like that. <laughs> um, I would say if there's something where you're like, I want to learn more about this, I would say the first place to go is to go get Dangerous Hope mm-hmm. on Amazon. It's available in ebook, paperback, or hardcover versions. Yep. Um, you can also find it on Barnes and Noble, Indie Bound, if you love to give to indie bookstores. Mm-hmm. Um, Ferguson's bookstores yep. in North Dakota, all of them have it. Um, that's that would be the first action step to take, I think. Yes, absolutely. And second action step is first of all, write down what you've overcome makes you a leader. If you haven't already, if you have been like, oh, I've been meaning to write that down and put it on a post-it note, do it now, do it today. Because the problem is lies and labels tear you down. They make you feel like you're weak, you're worthless, and that you're not a leader at all. And we want to help you strengthen that mindset. The podcast is part of it, but we want you to take a next step as well as getting the book. Make sure that you have our um, our guide to help you build that mindset of an overcomer. In just 10 minutes, you can flip the switch in your mind and hold your head high again. Plus, you get access to the Overcomers Club. If you are not a part of our private group on Facebook, you need to be. This is literally the place on Facebook where we hang out the most. So get it today at raymateam.com, R-A-Y-M-A-T-E-A-M.com. Scroll to the middle of the page where it says get started and you're going to see it right there. So this was a rather flavorful, uh, spicy episode that we hope you enjoyed. That's all that we have for you on this topic today. We encourage you to rise up and lead well this week and we will talk to you next week with a brand new episode. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. Before you go, would you mind doing us a favor? We would love to hear your takeaways. So please leave us a review and a comment. You might just hear your name in a future episode when you do. This show is produced by Rayma Team Media, a division of Rayma Team LLC. If you'd like to learn more about how you can work with us, visit raymateam.com. That's www.rayma.com. T-E-A-M dot C-O-M. All right. Our coffee is cold, so we gotta go. See you next week.